Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It doesn't happen every day, and that's okay. You don't have to love yourself every day. It's a journey, and there are some days, even though I preach it, there's some days where I look at myself and I'm like, "Oh, I can't be bothered with you today." Word of warning, in this podcast, you are going to be witnessing an interviewer completely and utterly fangirl over her interviewee. I got to interview Lacey Jade Christie, the host and the creator of The Fat Collective. If you have not heard of The Fat Collective, then shame on you. It is an amazing podcast that talks about body positivity, fat activism, and just talks about the daily struggles that many women of the plus-size community deal with that is often taboo topics. I have the ultimate girl crush on Lacey, and I now have an even bigger girl crush on her after speaking with her. This is Lacey Jade Christie. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you today. I am such a fan. I really, really do appreciate it. No problem. There's so many people that adore you because I love your podcast and everyone is obsessed with you because I've heard your name a couple of times. <laughs> How did this all begin? How did this all begin? So it, it started, I was in the UK this time last year. I was there for a year and I went to all these different prides and all these different festivals and the body positive movement over there is huge. You know, Australia has a tendency to be a bit caught behind the times. And so I was like, there was this whole world over there that I had no idea about. They have all these Instagram influencers, you know, and all these people that are speaking out. And I went to a couple of panels and a couple of events and I met some really amazing and inspiring people. And I was talking to um, Felicity Haywood, who's a plus size model. And we were talking, we're at a panel event and she had been speaking. And I said, there's nothing like this in Australia. You know, there are, there are plus size people and there are plus size influencers there's a small community but there's nothing like what they were doing in the UK and so Felicity was like well why don't you do it and I was like oh why don't I do it (laughs) so I came back to Australia a couple of months later and I met up with Ash who is the uh, body image therapist and we discussed running some events together and then I met Sarah from Kindful Body Mind and the girls from Curvy AU and I was like fuck it I'm gonna write I'm gonna make a podcast like we are all amazing women but you know Instagram's what connects us but I think we have so much more to say and so I really made it my mission to connect people and to connect the community because there's so much more to being body positive than just having good clothes And so part of the thing with the Fat Collective is I wanted to talk about the taboo topics because it's my podcast and so I can talk about what I want, which is very liberating. So I wanted to talk about things like fat activism and health at every size and sex positivity and really unite the community on another level. And you definitely do that because what is great is that don't just assume that body positivity is this easy thing and it's just a quick fix and, oh, my God, you could feel so great about your self-esteem all of a sudden if you just be positive about your body. 
I love that you talk about the uglier sides of it and that it's not easy and there's going to be days that you're feeling good about your body and then there's going to be other days that you feel crap but it's just great that how you talk about it in your Instagram and on your podcast you're just so real about it and you bring people into Instagram and podcasts that are real about it as well. So my body has been like a very big taboo topic for me um, because I didn't really have the words to to express why I wasn't happy with it and what was going on. I I suffer from bulimia and not actively at the moment, but um, my mental health is not something that was spoken about either. And so that whole side of life was just a very um, not spoken about thing. So I, I write a lot. I wrote when I came out about being a lesbian and so that's how I process and so I used to write about my body but it's not something that I ever shared with people and then I really I realized that there's such a huge power in storytelling you know in sharing your story with other people and I really try to um, portray that especially on my Instagram because social media presents such a facade that our lives are, are perfect and beautiful and you know if you look at my Instagram feed it's all photos of me and I look happy or whatever but if you actually read the captions a lot of them are poems or mini blogs about how I went to my psychologist or how I'm struggling today because we're all human and body positivity, it doesn't happen every day and that's okay. You don't have to love yourself every day. It's a journey. And there are some days, even though I preach it, there's some days where I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered with you today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. But that's just the life, you know, and it's the same with your mental health, you know, that, that fluctuates at times too. And so I try to be real about that. So you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you also talk at panels and you're very open about a lot of aspects of your life. Is there a certain aspect that has been more challenging or that you found has been more harder or a bit of more of a struggle? Yeah, so I I grew up in the 90s. I'm 30, but growing up in the 90s, um, being gay was not a thing. You know, it wasn't too bad, but being a gay man was definitely more acceptable in my life then and some people might disagree with me but I live near Sydney and so like there was such a huge gay scene uh, but the gay men were at the front of it Um, and growing up in Newcastle I never felt like I could come out and I didn't actually come out until I was 22 when I moved to Melbourne because I felt like that was I had the freedom to be able to express myself and I joined the lesbian community here and it's amazing but that's one of those big things where like I'd had trouble, again, putting it into words and being able to express who I was and what I was in my hometown because it's such a small place. We had one gay bar uh, and it was not great. And so I stuck to a bisexual label for a few years. So I kind of eased my family into that idea. And then when I moved to Melbourne, I got my first girlfriend and I was like, no, mum, this is a thing. Like, this is definitely where I'm at. Men are not for me. I don't hate men. I just... They're just not my thing. Um, And that, yeah, so that was definitely a weight off my shoulders. But, you know, you go through those little moments every day because I'm quite feminine. I actually got my septum pierced because I got sick of coming out to people all the time. (laughs) So ironic, though, because it has helped. Yeah? You know, because I got, yeah, like some of the older guys at work, they don't get it because I'm a surgical nurse. So, like, I Mm. don't come out to the surgeons. I don't see the point. But all of my coworkers know that I'm gay. Mm. It does make me easier to spot. But I think harder than coming out as a lesbian because... I found my people and then eventually I was empowered by them, my chosen family, and I was like, you know what, stuff this, I don't really care if people don't like that I'm gay, I'm here, and I can't do anything about it. But harder than that was telling people about my eating disorder mm-hmm. because mental health is something that is such a taboo topic. We don't talk about it, not as much as we should because it's got such a stigma to it. And 
So I found it really hard to first recognize that I had an eating disorder. I had an eating disorder for about four years before I actually realized what was happening. And then when I told my partner and he came with me to the doctor because I was still dating boys at that time and we did all that. And then I said, you know, I have to tell my family and I have to tell my friends because it's not something that you should do alone. There is power having your friends and family around you supporting you. So I told some people and a lot of people were really great about it and a lot of people were not. So the people that were not were my family because they didn't understand it. But it was later on that I felt that freedom because once I told people that I was struggling and that I needed help, I had people around me and it was so so much better for me. I was able to recover better and I go through highs and lows in my mental health and I'm quite comfortable now reaching out to my support network. I don't tell everyone, Mm -hmm. um, but I do have a support network in place now where I can be like, you know what, I'm struggling today or like I've noticed I haven't been sleeping well and just so you know, I'm keeping track of that and I also see a psychologist every fortnight. Mm -hmm. Even when I don't need to, I'm like, I call it maintenance. It's good for you. I think everyone should see a psychologist. We get maintenance for our cars. We get our phones checked. We get our teeth checked. So why not get our mental health checked? Exactly right. Mm. All that holistic care, which means taking care of the whole person. And mental health is such a huge part of that. You came out then that you had an eating disorder. What was it like then coming out as gay? Was there any similarities came out when I was 22 and then I think I told my mum and my friends about my eating disorder when I was 23, 24 and the two I think are related you know like having to hide a part of yourself you lack control and so developing an eating disorder is um like a knock-on effect of that in some ways I would think that they do have their similarities and that they're, they're a bit taboo in some respects they don't people don't often talk about them and most of all people don't understand them if you don't live in that world then you can you can be an ally but unless you live in it you don't actually understand what it's like and everybody's experience in the queer sphere and in the eating disorder sphere they're different because we're all unique but it gives us something in common and something to relate to which is why we end up having people like our chosen families where we can go to them when we're having problems and so you know i'm having like someone called me like a, a dyke bitch on the tram that's happened to me um <laughs> so you go to your lesbian friends because they understand what it's like uh and same if i was having a a relapse with my ed i would go to my friends who have experienced mental health issues after checking that they're in the space to to take that on because i think that's also very important yeah it's great to just have your people and especially like have your people in like certain areas of your life that's is a struggle with or is it is a taboo and that kind of thing so what has it then been like to have to created this collective of women that all i'm going to use the term plus size but i know everyone's a bit weird on the term plus size some people like it some people like like it oh i'm just gonna say fat what has it been like then having creating a group of women that everyone is just so connected and so loving to what has been like creating that group of women that are fat and that we're able to talk about what it's like because it is something that is not open to conversation. One of my friends said the other day that it's like having um, your own personal cheer squad. Mm, yes. And oh, yes. We, we cheer for each other. So it's not just me like being a narcissist and getting cheers from people. Like I cheer for heaps of people. And it's great because, you know, if you're having a bad day and you post a cute outfit or like I started dating again. So I was like, guys, what do you think of this outfit? And then it makes me feel better. But not only that on the superficial level, but it's 
so great to have people who understand your struggle. You know, like if I'm having a, a bad day or my clothes don't fit me properly or, you know, I've got a, a spinal condition, if that's playing up, I can turn to them and I can say, like, this is what's happening in my life today and I'm not okay. And then they're there for that. And it's so great. And we share communities and resources and especially the health at every size practitioners that are all on Instagram. They're great with all of their memes and their graphics. And I find that so reassuring. And I know that if I'm having a bad day, then I can turn to my Instagram feed and it will make me feel better. They're women and people like me and then health care professionals like me who are health at every size who give me a little bit of little little bit more faith in the world. Do you like the term plus size? I don't really mind. Uh, the Fat Collective is all about reclaiming the word fat because mm. I think for so long it was used as a derogatory term. I personally like thick because I think it's a bit sexy. Yes, I love the term thick, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thick size saves lives. That's a hashtag, I love it. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what I say, like, I, or um, curvy babes, you know, mm. like, but I like thick. But, you know, if I'm just describing someone, then I usually just say fat. Yeah. So what have you noticed has been a big commonality or among your tribe of curvy, thick, fat women? What have you noticed has been a commonality of something many women experienced? But as I said before, it's just not something that's talked about a lot. I think the thing that we all experience is the clothes. And that's why we've all come together in the first place. It's because it was so hard to find clothes to fit. And so every fat woman can empathize, sympathize with what it's like to go into a shopping centre and then have to go shopping with your straight size friends and not be able to try anything on. Mm, oh, you know, yes. I, I go shopping with one of my friends all the time and she's curvy. She was like, why are you such a good personal shopper? And I was like, because I spent all of my teenage years picking out outfits for my friends and not being able to try anything on myself. Oh, yes, that is pretty much my high school years, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's the first thing that unifies us. But then when you, once you scratch the surface of the clothes issue and then you get into the things like healthcare and um, unconscious medical bias for fat people and, like, because I'm a nurse, I see that every day and then I'm subjected to it as a patient as well. And I am in the cuff. I, my friend Katie and I, we call it um, it's acceptable fat. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a size 22, mm-hmm. so I'm still curvy. I still have an hourglass figure, but I'm just I'm just chunkier. Whereas, mm. so so my my experiences are different to those who are super fat. You know, those very big people. Um, they have a different story altogether. So, but this health at every size movement is being able to like connect us. So, what has that been like since you are a nurse? You are a health professional. How do you keep a balance in regards to because you're a health professional? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But at the same time, you don't want to be, quote-unquote, you know, promoting obesity and, you know, that kind of, so, sorry for my language, bullshit. <laughs> yes. If I'm really honest, my coworkers don't know what I do outside of work. 
Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So I have I have regular arguments with the anaesthetists and the surgeons that I work with and try to challenge their perceptions about uh, fat people. You know, if you're willing to give someone laparoscopic surgery be, to get have a weight, uh, to have a lap band, why won't you give them an anaesthetic to give them a knee replacement? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's the difference? Um, so I, I question them on a lot of stuff like that, but a big part of not telling them that what I do outside of work as far as Instagram and the podcast are concerned is that I like to be able to check my mental health and mm-hmm. ask myself if I'm happy to have that conversation and that battle. And if they knew what I did, then I would be taking part of that power away. And work for me is very separate. I'm very fortunate to have a Monday to Friday job where I'm able to go to work, do my thing, and then come home. And then when I'm at home, I do my podcast and I write and I do all those kinds of things. So I like to keep the two separate. And it's, I think it's good for me for my mental health, but it's also I've worked in places where they've been entrenched in my everyday life as well. There's a lack of balance there. So I like to keep them separate. There are some people who know, but they, we just keep it on the down low. Mm. Until the other day, or a couple of weeks ago, actually, my boss was like, oh, I'm on a diet, I can't eat the cake. And then, you know, she got really angry towards the end of the day, and I was like, just eat the goddamn cake. Like, no one's going to die. Um, but I am at the point where I think I might have to have that conversation with them because the diet culture talk in my workplace is huge. And not only from a fat activist point of view, but from someone who has an eating disorder, sometimes I find their conversations quite triggering. So I have been discussing with my friends recently about how, when and why I would go about talking to them about the way they use their language and how it affects me. It's interesting that there's still aspects of your life that you can't be open about and you have to, at some point, you have to come out or not come about it and that's, you know, about eating disorders and also that you are, you talk about being part of the plus-size, the fat community. Yeah, it's, it's all. I think it's all about balance, you know, and... Like, I've been on this planet for 30 years now, and I know from previous forays into things like burlesque or makeup, like, I'm a trained makeup artist, and all the different things that I've done throughout my life, I know, like, what my family can handle, and they know everything I do, but I also tend to feel from my conversations a little bit, you know, like, I'm a massive feminist, and I love nothing more than to sit down and have a good argument with someone, but I know my family aren't into that, so I say that for my feminist friends, and then we have arguments together, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to realize that it's it's not healthy to expect to, to be able to get all of our um, emotional and physical needs from one person or from a select group of people. So I have people in my life from all different walks of life and they not cr- only create a really diverse friendship circle for me and I love that. Um, they also enable me to uh, have different perspectives and different arguments and we um, and debates and we we get a lot from each other and that's really nice. Yeah, and see, that's exactly why you have to have various sort of group circles and and that's why, you know, it's okay to choose your family kind of thing because they're just going to give you what you need in regards to certain aspects of your life. So you said earlier that you're a feminist and you also uh, particularly wrote that on your Instagram that you're an intersectional feminist. To you personally, what does intersectional feminism mean to you? So to me, intersectional feminism means being wanting equality for every person. Because feminism isn't about, I have this argument with my mum all the time, feminism isn't about women being better than men or women earning more than men, women surpassing men. It's about every other marginalised group coming up to parity with white men. 
And so, you know, I think intersectional feminism to me is about, I'm, I'm aware that as a cis white person and I'm able-bodied that I have a certain amount of privilege and that gets knocked down one or two pegs because I am a lesbian and because I am a woman and because I'm fat. Those are intersections. But I still have a certain level of privilege and I try to use that privilege to be able to help other people and lift other people up. And to me, that's what being intersectional feminist is, is to be able to help and give a voice to other marginalised groups, but also listen to them because it's not my story. You know, like, I don't know what it's like to be trans. I don't know what it's like to be a sex worker. I don't know what it's like to be a person of colour. But I love hearing about those stories and helping in whatever way I can, even if it's just by listening and educating myself so that I am more aware. I love your answer so much because so often I have to tell people all the time like what I personally think intersectional feminism is and that I understand my privilege as a white woman and I just love that your your answer. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so interesting because it's a term that my, like privilege especially is a term that my friends and I, like we use in everyday conversation because we're like, I'm aware of my privilege. This is what I think, but someone, if they have another opinion, like come at me let's talk about it um and i have a very my group of friends they're they're all very to use the term woke but they're all like um very up and educated and wanting to learn and help and support everyone and that's such a nice community to be a part of that would be an amazing community to be a part of especially the line when you said they want to learn i think that's what the main problem is with society these days is that people are so much wanting to make sure that not that they're right but that the other person in an argument is wrong and that they're not willing to learn and I think that's what needs to change is that people need to be willing to learn and also what you said before we need to understand that there's privilege there's privilege that we're born with or that we're raised with and I think we need to be open about our privilege so then we can openly talk about particular issues. Yeah, exactly. You know, I always say on the podcast, because I express a lot of opinions on the podcast, and even I started the Fat Collective Season 1 in January, and even now, I've learned so much since those first few episodes, and so I always say, you know, this is my opinion, this is what we've found, but if you have a different opinion or more information, get in contact with me, teach me. I have no time for haters and just bigoted people who have no opinion but if you're educated if you've got a lived experience that's different to mine and you want to teach me then let's talk I would love that yeah that's so great that you're open about that because I think that's that is what our world needs more we need more people that are oh what was the quote my partner told me this quote it was like um the smartest people are the ones that have more to learn or know that they no, the smartest the smartest people in the world are the ones that know they don't know everything or something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, my job at the hospital, I'm a clinical nurse educator, so my job is to teach. And I have a whole bunch of nurses who have, like, 20, 30 years experiences, of experience, and they say to me all the time, I have, like, you can't teach me anything. And I'm like, if you get to this point in your career and you think you have nothing to learn, then you need a different job. Because medical, like surgery is always changing. There's always something to learn. Even if it's new teaching techniques or new surgical techniques, there's always something. And it's the same in life. We're always changing and evolving. You know, we need, everyone can learn something today. Yeah, absolutely. So you have season two of The Fat Collective coming out. What do we have got in store for season two? Is it very similar to season one or how is it going to be so set out? Not at all. I think it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the way that I've gone about organising it is completely different. 
because so season one for me was all about connecting a community and I did that I, most of my guests were Instagram influencers or people with a voice so I really wanted to to give an opportunity and a platform to and while I still want to do that in season two season two is taking much more of an activist standpoint because that's what I am and I love learning about things so episode one is about health at every size so we I have Fiona Weiler coming on and she is a health at every size practitioner and she also runs health at every size Australia she's on their board so that's amazing and she is so she just taught me so many things and then the other topics that we're talking about are things like teen body image and eating disorders sex positivity and desirability uh fat people representation on television so there's a good mix of medical and non-medical things um but they've all got they all stem from a place of activism which i'm really excited about because i get angry (laughs) (laughs) oh then that's the perfect season then for you (laughs) yeah no it's great and we have i've changed the logo and the colors and you know it's all very much uh more bright and colorful and more me which i like oh oh i'm so excited i cannot wait oh it sounds so great yeah it's gonna be awesome and then i also have the bopo expo the body positive expo which is coming to melbourne in october which the fat collective is hosting with another organization called the body love collective and that's going to be amazing because we're going to have a panel on there called the Fat Collective Live. So I'm going to be hosting the podcast live. <gasps> that's so cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think I read this right. This is the only body positivity expo in Australia. Is that correct? Yeah, that we know yes. of. I, like, I would love for somebody if they've already done it. Hit me up and let me know. But um, I Googled and Google said no. So, <laughs> and I think um, Alicia, who I'm organizing it with, we're a great team and we both bring something that other people, I don't think anybody would have our kind of dynamic before. Alicia is very spiritual and into self-connection and I'm very activist-y and into sticking it to the patriarchy. So it's a really nice balance that we've got going on. Oh, I'll have to come down to Melbourne for it. Definitely, yes. definitely, definitely. Yes. Do it. You can sleep on my lounge. <laughs> yes. So what has that been like then creating this expo? So scary. seriously it's amazing and you know Alicia and I are such a great team and we've got some amazing visions going and you know we're chugging along slowly but surely because it's great like it's such a large amount of hustle that you need you know because with my job and then the fact collective plus this on top of it I I don't get a lot of spare time but it's amazing because we're being able to curate it ourselves to find speakers that suit the our vision um we have brands coming on board to sponsor but all of the brands are vetted so that they are brands that uh match our brands so they have to be body positive inclusive um lgbtiq friendly accessible you know all of those things and when they say that they're inclusive of sizes they have to go up to at least a size 26 like proper proper inclusive sizing yeah, at yes. least um, yes. so we've had we've had loads of people being emailing us asking us because we've made sponsorship packages and media packages and stuff and so many people want to get on board and that's great but every day Alicia and I are swapping messages saying what do you think about this brand and I'll do a Google or she'll Google and then we'll be like no they don't really they don't really match up with us so we're trying to create the most inclusive body positive environment and we're putting a lot of thought and effort into the kinds of people that are involved in that and that's a lot of pressure um, but Again, we're doing the best that we can and we're constantly learning. There have been a few times, even this week, where we've messaged each other and gone, oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, Cool, let's change this. Yeah. Uh, It's all a learning experience, but it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be huge. We've got um, 
up to 180 tickets. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's going to be enormous. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. Alright, I've decided I'm going to Melbourne for this, yes. I'm going to just be so miserable on Instagram that weekend just be like, oh, not at this thing, why am I not at it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want though, like we want everyone to be there if they can, but also, you know, a little bit of FOMO, you can stalk us on the um, Instagram account. Yes, what is the Instagram account for those that would like to know? The Instagram account for the Bopo Expo is um, ebodypositive underscore expo. Mm-hmm. And then the Instagram for the Fat Collective is at Fat Collective. Thank you so much for talking to me. It has been, I could talk to you for hours, but <laughs> I'm not going to put you through that pain. <laughs> oh, no, you're lovely. Stop it. Thank you. But yes, you're so lovely. Yes. That was my ultimate girl crush, Lacey J. Christie, podcast host of the Fat Collective. If you haven't listened to the podcast, I highly recommend you do. Season two has just been released, so it's very exciting. Season two is a little bit different to the first season, and it is still so amazing, and I definitely recommend you check it out. And that you also check out Lacey's own Instagram page, Lacey J. Christie, and also her podcast page, Fat Collective. And now a date as well has been released of the Body Positive Expo that Lacey is a part of and the co-creator of. Now the date is Saturday, October 5th and it is in Melbourne. So give the page a big thumbs up and stay tuned for when tickets go out. I'm definitely going down to Melbourne to go to the show. I am so, so keen for it because there is there has been nothing else like it ever happened in Australia of like this body positive expo and I'm very excited for it so definitely check it out even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.